This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us is here. And now, here's your host. And the Summer 7R Series keeps rolling along. I am Matt Caraccio of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. And I am just beyond psyched as we begin to continue this series down the proverbial road as we examine the very nature of the problems that athletes are facing on the field of play in this game that we love and are so passionate about called American football. And I really do hope that we continue to bring closer to the game. And I am excited because I know this individual will take you to places you probably never even thought you might think about evaluation or coaching or even watching the game of football. I'm talking about coach, positional coach, football skill acquisition coach, sport movement developer, recruiter, and coordinator of everything that is helping athletes reach their potential. I'm talking about the one and only Mr. Ross Cooper. Ross, welcome to the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. Man, I appreciate you having me on again, man. Always love talking to you. Always have a good time, so I'm excited just to chop it up with you, bro. Well, I mean, I'm even more excited because, I mean, really, this could be for for lack of a better terminology. I mean, I know we're not putting out, you know, CDs or or we're not putting out (laughs) albums, but this is like kind of the world premiere of literally a talk that you had planned on doing at this year's Sport Movement Skill Conference. And due to uh, personal circumstances, you weren't able to do. But the title of this was just so intriguing. And I I just was when I when we were putting the series together, I knew the, the, the actual discussion of who is skill, which is the title of that discussion, really needed to be heard. And I'm just excited for you to, to, to give us the opportunity to listen to it. So, uh, Ross, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of lay it out there and put it at your feet and say, take us through the, the really the kind of many meanings of that phrase, who is skill? Okay, cool. I mean, yeah, you know, I was, I was excited about attending. This is the second year in a row that a uh, week before the conference that I had a um, family tragedy happen. So it was hopefully next year we'll be able to get there and have some peace. But, um, yeah, you know, to be honest with you, man, it all kind of started with I, I had a guy who was a DB, NFL DB, and he contacted, wanted to get some work. And, he, you know, he came out. It was our first first meeting, just kind of going through going through the motions, just kind of letting him do things, kind of just letting him flow with things and seeing where he, seeing where he was at. And, uh, I mean, super talented guy. Talented when he walked in, talented during, and he's going to be talented long after I'm out of the picture. So, um, you know, we were just talking. And the thing that hit me, and it's something I've said to you before, something I've said to Sean before, is just like there are guys who are super talented guys, unbelievable athletic ability, great results on the field. And you can watch them and you say, wow, there's so much more you can do with your skill. Like you can reach another level. And after we got done, I started talking with him and I said, hey, man, like right now, I know this is going to sound crazy because you've had tremendous success, but your skill isn't even it isn't even 50 percent of what it could be. And of course, I mean, I I explained to him, I'm not meaning that at knocking you. And, you know, I think like any of us would if you're in his position, he's like, you know, what the hell are you talking about? So I said to him, I I said it again. He said, well, you know, okay." kind of challenged me like I'm, I'm glad he did because it meant he wanted to know he said so what is skill and it really got me thinking and it got you know I said you know what let's let's kind of redo that question instead of saying what is skill let's say who is skill and 
it kind of like put me into a thought process the next few weeks after that, where I really started kind of diving into, okay, what if we look at skill as a who? Let's give skill, let's give it an identity. And it just made me think, man, you know, many times people think skill is something like it's a thing that can be acquired. And by meaning being acquired, they take for granted that it means it's going to be finished. I've acquired it. I've now got the key. I put it on my keychain. I can pull that key off in every, any problem I face on the field, anytime I need it. And I have a solution. And it just made me think like they have that mindset that suddenly you have control. You have that one key that you need that can unlock every lock. I have my skill. It's never going to leave me. I can always use it. Where really me and you both know. And the fact of the matter is skill is something that's being acquired. It's being adapted. It's being, you know, acquired over and over again in every new situation, every moment, every time, every space, every situation, every circumstance. Everything that's presented to you on the field is just another moment for you to acquire, for you to adapt that skill all over again for whatever it's going to take in that moment for the problem that you're facing. And that's when it just I started really thinking to myself, let's give skill an identity. Let's make it let's make it individual. Let's make it a who. Who is skill related to the task, environment, problem in that moment, but more importantly, for that particular human individual athlete, player, authentic individual for who he is. So I kind of took it from that and I started thinking, you know, let's really give him an an identity. Let's make it that player's fingerprint. Your skill is your fingerprint. If If we both put our fingerprint up on the screen right now and we compare them, they're completely different. You're Matt, I'm Ross. We may have some similarities. We may have some things we both like. We may have some things that are totally different about us. But at the end of the day, our fingerprints will never be the same. Even after we're long gone, no one else is going to be born with our fingerprints. So I said, you know what? Let's make skill a who. Let's give it an identity. Then I took it from there and I thought, you know what? Let me kind of really think about that word identity. Let's really dive into what that means. And I started thinking the identity must always come before the activity. So there's no one size fits all. No one's going to be the same. No two players at the same position facing similar problems are ever going to do it the same. Even if it may appear, both guys, okay, both running backs just did a jump cut. Both DBs did a speed turn, but it won't be the same. So then I started thinking, okay, if the identity of who you are, how you perceive with your own two eyes, how you decision make, how you move, how you feel, how you adapt, if that leads who is skill then all of a sudden we've come to a place where now skill has that, that identity for that particular player, that particular individual, for everything he is. And, you know, you take it a little bit further, and the only way that that doesn't happen is if, you know, we kind of we take it out of the guy. Where all of a sudden we're saying, you know what, you're no longer going to be a who. Now we're going to make your skill a what. And your what's going to be what I dictated, what I think it should be. Where even if that player, like this, this particular guy, like I said, Incredibly, incredibly talented, talented before he met me. He'll be talented long after he, after I'm gone. But he wasn't reaching that potential. He wasn't reaching what he really could be as a skillful mover, as an adapter, because his skill was a what? It wasn't a who. So then all of a sudden I started saying, okay, if skill is a who, that means it's individual, it's authentic in regards to who you are, you are as a person. And I, I wrote it down. It was one of the things I wrote down in the car while I was driving. I pulled over to the side of the road. I wrote, who equals you? 
So skill equals you. It's yours. Your skill belongs to you. Never copied, never duplicated. Then we get to the point where skill doesn't just happen to you. Like many people believe, skill happens through you. So now all of a sudden, your skill is something that, yeah, no one else can have. No one else can do. Another player can have a similar result, maybe even a better result on a certain play. But your skill is not happening to you. It's happening through you. So, like, the the more I thought about it, I said, if we make skill a who, and if we really look at it with that kind of, that individuality, that identity, then all of a sudden, I think me and you probably spoke about this. I remember having a text message conversation with you. Skill then is being looked at as who. It becomes endless. The player now can have solutions within solutions. His intention is his intentions are adapting within his own intention in that play. He's adapting within adapting. And now he has movements on top of movements. So now all of a sudden, because your skill is no longer just a what, it's a who, it's your fingerprint, then, man, it, it becomes absolutely, absolutely endless. And that's where I started just really kind of looking at it a little bit deeper, just really thinking to myself, like, I don't know, man, what, what could even the greatest of the greats, what could they be? What could, what could they be when all of a sudden we started looking at it as, instead of this player's skill being, you know, kind of a what, we just made it, it's a who. And it, it belongs to you with wherever you want to take it, where, however it's going to be acquired and built and developed. And then, of course, once it is, it becomes adaptable in every situation. Like, really, what, what happens then? Because then it's a, whole, it's a whole other situation. And like I think me and you were talking about before you went on air, it, it, it's like the Bruce Lee quote when Bruce Lee says, be like water. And it started making me think, you can have the smallest crack Smallest crack that nothing else can get into that crack. Everything else, a small crack in your house. And water will find its way through that crack. It will flow around a rock. It will flow over a bridge. It will flow around a tree. It will find its way into that crack. And it, it made me think about when Bruce Lee said, be like water. He was basically saying, you, you, Matt, you play wide receiver. You be like water. Okay, Ross, you play DB. You be like water. Because all of a sudden, it's really making your skill a who. He's saying, you do it. You find, you find a way in your environment, in your situation, in your surroundings, even in your technique, in your movement. You find a way to be like water for who you are, for how you see, for how you think, for how you adapt, for how you move. And then all of a sudden, that water becomes, it has a different meaning now because you're looking at that, at that crack which could be a running back, you know, trying to score a touchdown. could be a DB trying to stop a wide receiver, a defensive end, trying to get to the quarterback. Every position, whatever it is that they're trying to do, all of a sudden your mindset is you be like water. With that, you know, the parentheses, that real, that, that stop sign, that light flashing on top of you. And then all of a sudden your skill has become not what is skill, it's become who is skill. And to answer the, that question, who is skill, it's me. I'm skill. It's Matt. Matt skill. It's okay. Any player, Odell Beckham. Matt, he's skill. Saquon, he's skill. Joe Hayden, he's skill. It becomes who are you? Your skill is you, and you're now trying to develop it, acquire it, 
really adapted in every situation, build it over and over and over again. Every time you face a problem on the field with who you are, but the key word there is who, who is it? I, I mean, I, I think there's so many profound things that you went into within that discussion. And I think the best way to unpack that for at least me is to maybe kind of resonate with some of the listeners out there that might be saying, okay, I mean, I, I hear, I hear this philosophical kind of, you know, diatribe about, you know, who is skill, but my feeling is, is like, well, but I'm coaching somebody on the field Mm -hmm. of play, or I am a coach. And, uh, I have this philosophy about how I see football should be played, or I have to evaluate a player for this particular system. I, I don't see where that type of freedom of expression fits within this kind of rigid structure that mm-hmm. I'm trying to kind of bring to the field. I know me, Matt, <laughs> you know, the, the host here, I, I think I have a feeling for what I would say to that person, but I'm interested how you might, answer that person you know what and and it's it's a common thing and i think it's human nature and i think it's a normal kind of retort back and because at the end of the day the game of football is the game of football it doesn't need us to add something to it it doesn't need us to subtract something to it so now we start let me let me just give a very simple um example of something i did this summer with with some of my dbs we kind of got out there and I said, okay, look, we're going to work on backpedaling. And I know some people across the nation are going to scream even when they hear that. You don't backpedal anymore. Nick Saban don't, said don't backpedal. Okay, cool, whatever. We're going to backpedal. Because you want to have that tool in your tool chest to pull it out. So I said, some, some of these guys out here when I was looking around, some of them were 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, this one guy was six foot three, And I may have said this to you, may have said it to Sean, may have been Tyler. But I started really stopping and thinking, if we are in a room full of people, let's say a movie theater, everyone's in there calm, relaxed, their intention is watching the movie, and then all of a sudden the fire alarm goes off. Well, everyone's going to get up, and their intention of what they're trying to do is get the heck out of that building because it's on fire. But everyone's about to do it in a different way. So beforehand... Everyone's eyes, has kind of, they've kind of glanced around the room, saw the red exit signs. Everybody kind of thinks, especially this day and age, okay, if something goes on, how am I going to get out? What, I'm, what am I going to do? But in that moment, when it comes, push comes to shove, and now you're actually, you know, on the proverbial football field, having to make a play, just like the people in that movie theater, when that fire alarm goes off, every single person who gets out of their chair alone is going to do it differently. Some people are going to have to put their arm on the armrest and lift themselves up. Some guys are about to do a freaking jump out of that chair and be hurtling over aisles, pushing women and children out of the way. Other people are going to stay really calm. They're going to start thinking. So it just shows as people, we're all different. Everyone's different. Everyone thinks differently, sees differently, moves differently, adapts differently, deals with stress differently. So to take it back to football, Yes, there are some parameters that you know are controlled. You know the play call. Like if this is the play call and, and, and the, the wide receiver is supposed to run the post, he can't just say, screw it, I'm going to run myself a, you know, a, a short out. You know what you have to do. You know the rules of what you have to do to get things done because those rules are in play. So I think sometimes some people may start thinking that it's just like we're just out there willy-nilly 
just it's a game of tag and everyone's it's not you're still keeping the control in place of what football is because that's the game of football but just like i said in a situation like all those people in a movie theater and a fire alarm goes off everyone starts doing something different so even if we want to say the who is skill in that uh, movie theater situation now you're looking and everyone's trying to get to that exit sign the running back got the handoff. He's trying to get to that end zone. The offensive linemen are trying to block for him to get to that end zone. It's kind of the same thing, but it's the same situation even with athletes. That Just like every single person in that movie theater is going to get out of that chair and they're going to try to get themselves from point A to point B in a different manner, the same thing happens with football players. Even when we try to control it, it's still happening because you can be a coach and you can say all day in practice, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to run from point A to point B. You go cut. The throws will be right there. And it sounds great because you do it enough times in practice on air or even versus your defense where it's not that in the moment trying to, like, competition stop you. It works. Now, what happens in a game where all of a sudden when your wide receiver is supposed to cut at seven and he's supposed to run out, that DB standing there at six and a half and something goes crazy, well, guess what? What you've done in practice now is not going to be able to take place on the field. So now you have, you have two options. You can sit there and you can get upset about it. And you can say, hey, why didn't you see this happen? Why didn't you think this? X, Y, and Z. Or you can realize to yourself, you know what? Yeah, okay, you did that all week in practice. And all of a sudden in the game, that guy on the other side of the ball, he gets paid to stop you too. He practiced all week too. You know, if it was a high school team or a college team, hey, they went through meetings all week and practice all week. They did that, too. So now all of a sudden it becomes a situation that even when you're trying to avoid it, even when you may want to have control of it to act like I could control the environment, I can take in what I want to take in. I can put out what I want to take out. It's like a game of chess. Okay, I can move this pawn here and then tell you can't. Even when you think you can and you may want to, you can't. And then it still falls back to. Who is skilled? Because all of a sudden, if that player has developed, acquired, has the ability to adapt, he has his who, then he's going to be able to find a way. So even if it means that all week long you practice that seven, that seven yard out, and all of a sudden that DB may jam him at four yards and the timing's off, because he has that who is skill, he can now figure out a way to still get from point A to point B to make the play. And it's funny, man. If you really watch Sunday night highlights after NFL, you know, NFL week, the majority of the plays that are on there are plays where I guarantee you it didn't go exactly like it was planned in practice because I don't believe it ever really does because that, that if you're an offensive player, you don't get to tell the defense pre-snap, hey, guys, this is what we practiced y'all doing all week. So even if they show you the same look and it looks the same way, guess what? It's going to be different because it's 11 guys on the other side of the ball that are seeing, thinking, moving for themselves. So now all of a sudden, that who, you may try to run from it. You may try to think that it's, you know, we have to control it with the what is skill. The who's still going to show up. Now the question then becomes, are you able to be a who guy or are you going to be a what guy? And then when the time comes to adapt, you can't, you can't, you can't. You know, and, and something that resonates with me in this discussion is going back to something that happened previously in this series with Ryan Hazenkamp, 
who joined us to talk a little bit about chaos and the misnomer that is chaos. Mm-hmm. And he, he really brought a, a nice piece of information, I thought, out, which was, you know, chaos results from this uncertainty or this inability to really ever understand the original circumstances of something that's going to unfold. And I think that that's something that you're alluding to, right? I mean, this exactly. idea that this this unknown quantity, this reason for adapting at all kind of points within the actual play is because we can never presumably understand you know, the very nature of the initial circumstances in their entirety. We're always in a state of, of action, uh, almost always in a state of kind of uh, cautious aggression to, uh, yeah. to kind of, to kind of use a, a title from, uh, from uh, Cody Alexander's book. We're always kind of in that kind of state of alertness to something mm-hmm. that's always happening. And, and I want to kind of take this maybe because I think you also alluded to something that I thought was very interesting. And I'd, I'd like to kind of get your perspective on this. You talked about, you know, everybody having their own figure fingerprint and their idea of being, you know, who is skill and what is their authentic skill and who are they as individuals. And you also acknowledge the fact that there is parameters. And, you know, I, I think that's a very important point because I wonder to what degree discussions like this are dismissed dismissed by professionals as being like well you're saying just just run rogue let everybody do their own unique thing <laughs> and i don't know if that's necessarily what is being communicated because there's still a team that you're playing for there still is a goal that's actually there you're you're trying to gain territory if you're on offense you're trying to prevent the opponent from gaining territory we're just trying to understand the variables that shape that kind of interaction a little bit more and obviously these are 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 somewhat um these these variables that we're talking about yes they could be extrapolated and and pointed out in a lot of different areas of life and in other sports but i i feel like what we're talking about here when we're talking about who is skill is where where's the authentic person fit within that kind of that game of 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 territory and acquisition of territory where does that individual fit within Mm -hmm. it but that's not to dismiss the idea that there's a team around them too shaping their behavior. They're not just acting rogue because if you did, then that then you're gonna know yeah. it for sure, man. You're gonna that off if you yeah. all like, no, I'm gonna take him on by myself. But that's not the way the play was designed. No, I think you, you I, get I, your I, you know quarterback laid out. I, they're gonna be upset. Yeah, it's a problem. Then I think I think Marco Sullivan said it best, where he had a quote where he said, "We're trying to develop learners in the game and not just of the game." So now, if, if you just start there, if you allow that to be the foundation of everything you, go, go, you do going forward, it's not, you're not just taking the offensive play call and just throwing it out the window and saying, hey, fellas, we're going to play street football. we got Everson Griffin rushing. So, hey, you just block him however you got to block him, and uh, we're just going to drop back. Everyone run the route they want. We, we'll see what happens. Because that's, that's not sport. And that's why I always kind of go back to the same thing. You know, the game of football is the game of football. So, I mean, now it's a it, – for me, wait, I really – can I, can I interrupt yeah, you for a second? Go ahead, like, go ahead. If we were to play out that thought exercise for a moment and say that we were saying that, well, then that implies that you're not ever working communally together. Exactly. And that means you're losing all the affordances of your teammate. As you're not giving football. you, yeah, you're not. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, in theory, you could. I mean, I guess you could say you're playing. You're playing a version of football, but but you're missing out on all this opportunity to have any type of 
route combinations or deception or anything that could be afforded by using the entirety of your team. Because yeah, it, th- what you just said is a great point, and I think that's where many people will say, ah, sounds like you're just spewing science when you start talking about you know a player in the environment. Because not only is he competing against the opponent next to him, he's also working with his teammates. The changes in space. I mean, we can use a guy like Le'Veon Bell and A.B. Now, none of us know how it's going to work out with A.B. in Oakland. None of us know how it's going to work out with Bell with the Jets. But the one thing that we did know is the space, the timing, the things that they had in Pittsburgh, it was, I'm not going to say easy because by no means do I want to disrespect either one of those guys because they're skilled guys. And I think they'll do good where they're going. But the defense knew, okay, A.B.'s out here, Bell's back there. The space that they had, a lot of it came from A.B. was able to have some of the space he had because the threat of what Bell can do as a running back, also not just running the ball but coming out of the backfield in the passing game. Well, the same thing helps Bell because A.B. can stretch the field. He can make that D.B. think, okay, on third and one, I can't just sit here and try to get off a block thinking he's going to run the ball. For all I know, A.B. may run a deep post or a deep corner. So you always have that relationship not only going against your opponent, and when I say an opponent, even though it may be one-on-one, offensive line, defensive line, wide receiver, D.B., whatever it may be, you're really going against all 11 guys because then you're, you're, you are going against the environment in its totality because the field itself, every single second is changing. Every single second, the space is changing. Like you said, every single second – affordances are changing and you have affordances that are joint affordances for, for numerous players playing off of it. And, but at the same time you have it versus your own teammates. So now it's not just going rogue and guys, you know, like we were playing the street as little kids, hut, everyone run their own pattern. They want just try to get open. You have the, you have the play call, you have the rules. You realize I can't be a wide receiver and run your butt all the way on the other side of the bench and then come back on the field. We have these rules. We have to do certain things, but the difference between what some people think is just I want to control the game, I want to dictate the game, is you, the ability now you must adapt. So now, even if the wide receiver knows I'm going to run a deep dig, you have to understand that by, by doing that, by executing, by trying to get to your end goal, which would be catch the ball and then run with the ball after you catch it, you're trying to score, blah, 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 whatever the case may be, you have to have the idea, you have to have the skill set, you have to have the who to be able to say, if this DB jams me, what do I do? If, D, if this DB is playing catch man, what do I do? If the linebacker, if the outside linebacker slides over, what do I do? What if all of a sudden the defense is showing man and it turns into cover two? You always have to have the ability to adapt. So I think some people think it's just they have the mindset, I'm just going to dictate. Other people look at it and it's just like, oh, you're just out there adapting. It's a wild game of tag on, you know, during recess. No, it's a cycle of I know the play call. I know what I'm trying to do. I know what my attention is because I know what I want. I know how I want the play to end. (laughs) I want to catch the ball or I want to stop the guy. But it's now a cycle of I'm adapting and I'm dictating. I'm adapting, I'm dictating, and it's never ending. So now you have both combined. But, you know, it's, that's a long-winded answer, but I think we have both sides of it, man. We have some coaches who they want to look at it and they want to say, do this this way. We did it this way in practice 10 times, 10 times a day for the last six days. 
and go out in the game do the same thing. And they don't ever take into account, guess what, that guy on the, the, the player on the other side of the football, he's getting paid to stop you too. He's practicing all week to stop you too. So if you're just going out there to dictate, and there's some players that do that, and you'll see them. They'll just do exactly what they think they were that, – that, that it's going they, – they think that they've been given the key and this is just going to work. And when it doesn't work, all of a sudden you have super athletic guys out there looking crazy because they can't get the job done. So you don't want that. And, of course, you don't want to just go to get out there and it's just insanity. On third and one, you know, you're a receiver who's supposed to come down and get a crack block to open the space for the running game, and you decide pre-snap, you know what, I think we'll just go run a go route. <laughs> that, that's not going to work. It's just the, it's the ability within within the play that you know is played within your assignment. You have to have the ability to adapt and dictate, adapt, and keep going. Well, and and you know what, I I think that was so well said because that's a that's a common theme that throughout this series. I guess me being the common denominator, listening to everybody, is this idea that there is this acknowledgement that there is guardrails that are there. We're, 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 and again, I think it was, I don't know if it was, um, I forget exactly who said it first, but it doesn't matter. The, the idea being is, is that we have to stop, I think, at least this is what I'm hearing from you as well as from what I heard from other professionals, is this idea that we have to stop looking at everything that's being said to us as we analyze or coach the game as being prescription, nobody's really, I don't, I don't even think the intent was ever to be prescription. I mean, you think back to originally the way football was played many years ago before we even had headsets in the helmet and you had your quarterback out there with the entire playbook at his disposal. And mm-hmm. while there certainly were inefficiencies to that, there was at least the acknowledgement of the player being connected to the game in a way that the coaches couldn't. And that delay, not just because of pace of play, but also that delay um, and that disconnect might actually be detrimental. Now, over time, just technology and other affordances that we've gotten in terms of our abilities on the sidelines have made that maybe not necessarily true. We have better eyes, maybe better perspectives that we can see things. However, you still have the audible. It's still part of most playbooks where quarterbacks do have that audible. There's, There's still a hint in the game about authenticity being a player's connection to the moment trumping you know the actual rigidity of whatever system or play mm-hmm. is being executed and i think that there's i think i think the game that we love so much it, it, i think we're we're falling into this world where we're thinking it's a lot more prescription than it really necessarily is and i, I know, agree you know i, I mean i don't I, know if it was even intended to be that is well I, I mean i think sometimes you just got to take it back and you gotta you gotta look at the game of football like you look at life. All right, you get out of your car, you're walking to a building. Nobody wants to fall. No one wants to stub their toe. No one wants to bang their hand. All of a sudden, you're just walking through a parking lot and you you, st- you stub your foot and you go down. All of a sudden, you're walking up some stairs. Nobody wants to hit their shin on the stair. You hit your shin. Life is adapting. Movement is adapting. It doesn't matter which way you want to look at it. Movement is adapting. Movement is the ability to adapt because you never know what's going to happen from step. Your, your next step is coming off your last step, and, and it's going to continue to do that. That's why it's, I, I like to just call it even rep, with, rep without rep within each step for my guys because that's what it is. So you may say to yourself, yeah, you know what, DB, you're just backpedaling. Backpedal 
open the gate, get into coverage. You know what? Who's to say that he's not going to catch a cleat in the ground? Who's to say that a cleat's not going to break? Who's to say he's not going to hit a, a slick p- a part of the turf when it's raining or maybe a bad piece of uh, a grass on the field? You can't control these things. Some, you know, we may, people may like to think they can, but you can't because you can't control life. Because like I said, walking up some stairs, nobody wants to fall. No one wants to pull a muscle. No one wants to, you know, kind of slip off. It happens. So now if you have the ability to adapt, it changes things. It, it, it's, it's something I was thinking about even the other night. And I was thinking about the Bernstein quote where he says, no phenomenon can be understood without carefully understanding how it emerged. And I've heard it a thousand times, read it a thousand times. And I started really thinking to myself, okay, the, what, what does the phenomenon involve? When we're looking at it under the lens of we're talking football, it involves freaking people, man. It's people. So now all of a sudden that phenomenon becomes that who. We, tie, we could tie that, that, even that quote right back into who is skilled. So what, what does the phenomenon, in, what does it involve? It involves people. It involves everyone seeing something different, thinking something different. In that moment, a guy may be dealing with some stressors on the field. He may legit, and some people may not even realize this. They may think of it at the high school level, even the college level. There's NFL guys on that field who may have just got beat one play, maybe feeling like, hey, I don't have it today, and they're thinking about, I may get benched. Maybe during the week, these guys were on my butt all the time. I may get benched. All of a sudden, that phenomenon is it has different meanings to everybody. So even that, when Bernstein says no phenomenon can be understood without carefully understanding how it emerged. Now, all of a sudden, you have to look at what does the phenomenon even mean? How is it emerging? And you have to take that quote and make it individual. You take that quote, you make it who in the who is skill. Because all of a sudden, man, like it all goes back to we're dealing with people. And when we're dealing with people, it becomes everything is always changing. Everything's always different. And even when you feel like you're in control, you're not. Because if we were, every single one of us would be walking around millionaires <laughs> with everything yeah. we want. in life. You know what I mean? Yeah, you no, no. You, you it, wouldn't be getting the flu. You wouldn't be tripping. You wouldn't be you know, banging your, banging your uh, ankle on the kitchen table, you know, yeah. you could control all those things. So why don't we look at, why don't we look at sport the same way life is? Because all it is, it's just a, it's just another version. It's another activity of life. So if we're going to try to control what's on the football field, I mean, all we're doing is we're fooling ourselves where within that, you're not losing that, but it's, it has to be that cycle of adapting, dictating, adapting, dictating, and then all of a sudden, now we're taking Bernstein's quote in where it says no phenomenon. We'll say it one more time. No phenomenon can be understood without carefully understanding how it emerged. Now we're looking even at that and we're saying we're saying that quote, not just in to the general team. We're not saying it to everyone. We're saying it to you. OK, what does it mean to you? OK, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to you? And then all of a sudden it's becoming that ownership. It's becoming that authenticity. It's becoming that individuality. And then also. Off of that grows the ability to self-organize, to use your eyes. Even if you practice something all week long, now you're doing it through your eyes. You're doing it through your movement. You're doing it through how you think and how you adapt. And then all of a sudden on the field, even, the, even in the most basic of plays, you start realizing I'm, I'm adapting within each step anyways. So, wow, what can happen then? 
Well, what I love about this discussion is uh, I feel like is if I was a player that was working alongside of you, that really speaks to me as a player. And it, uh, what I would hear as a player from a coach like yourself is I'm, I'm hearing is you're going to have expectations of you. But the mm-hmm. way in which you solve those problems or meet those expectations are uniquely your own. And it doesn't mean that you have to do it a certain way. It means that you have to get the job done and getting the job done doesn't necessarily in any way mean it has to be done in a precise pattern of movement. At least if we're talking in terms of sport, just like, just like you said, if we, if we take this to some, you know, common cliches we talk about in life and and good cliches, not bad things. I don't mean Mm -hmm. to, to, you know, to demean them. But I mean, we talk about how, you know, there's more than one way to get to Carnegie Hall, the famous yep. quote, right? Mm-hmm. We, we accept that as being profound and meaningful. We're like, yeah, of course, there's a lot of ways I can accomplish these goals in life. But mm-hmm. yet we seem to turn off that understanding the minute we step, you know, on the pitch or the minute we step on a basketball court or step on a football field, all of a sudden that those kind of common phrases of how the ebbs and flows of life should go kind of kind of kind of turn off. And I wonder to what degree, you know, like you said previously, we, we should just kind of invite more of that kind of understanding that we're so accustomed to onto the field of play and in our understanding of sport and in our understanding of players, which kind of which kind of brings me to this next part, because I'm sure there's people listening out there that are saying, OK, but how do you begin to, I mean, clearly there are players that are more skillful than others. And mm-hmm. what does that mean then? What is it? What is a more skillful player than another player? What what types of what types of uh, you know behavioral you know kind of characteristics might you know might translate to being more skillful? What does that even mean? I mean, I, I kind of viewed it as functionality, kind of that idea of being able to solve the problems at hand, and the more problems you can solve so to speak and the more variety the ways better you can adapt the more skillful you are um but i'm curious as to what you might say about differentiating between skill levels like what made one skillful mover more skillful than another yeah yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of times um i've had some players ask me that and i've you know of course had um, people ask me that a lot of times i kind of like to return that question with the question and what i'll just say is what made what made Barry Sanders do this and Earl Campbell do that and Walter Payton do that and Adrian Peterson do that? What made Emmett do that? Now, of course, when you say that, people freak out and they say, well, Emmett had a great line or Barry had an exceptional 5-10-5 time and all that kind of stuff. No, at the end of the day, what Wait, can, made- I, can I say something? Yeah, go ahead. Can I say something? Because you just made, said that he did have a great line, but he recognized it and knew how to exploit it. Exactly. Exactly, because that same line was on the field when other guys would come in, and they didn't do what Emmett did. So now all of a sudden, that's why I, I love to return that question with the question all the time and just say, what made, this guy, what made this guy do what he did? What made him different? What made Earl say to himself on third and, third and five, I'm about to lower this shoulder, and I'm going to drive through the line of scrimmage while y'all rip my jersey off, and I stick my head into that guy's chest and plow him. What made Walter say, you know what, I'm about to go airborne. What made Adrian Peterson say, hey, I'm going to kind of do that little stutter step he likes to do. And I know Sean's going to listen to this and he's going to smile because they worked on these things a lot with him. What made AD do the little stutter step and things, little shimmy and juke, and then 
lower his shoulder. What made Barry go one way, juke a guy, do a spin move, go the other way? Now, they were all skillful guys, 100%. Even the guys who may not be that top echelon, you know, household name stars, every player has his way of solving that problem. So then I kind of I like to look at it and say, within who he is as a player, I always go back to who, who is he as a person? Because he's going to take his helmet off. He's going to take his pads off. 99% of his, his day is spent being just Barry Sanders, the man. 1% of his day is spent being Barry Sanders, the football player. So a lot of it now is you have a man, you have a guy's personality showing on the field. You have his way of thinking showing on the field. You have his way of seeing showing on the field. Like even when I'm saying this is making me laugh and it may not be the case. I mean, you watch a guy like Barry, what he did on the field, I could just imagine him in traffic. Nope, I'm not sitting in this lane. I'm zooming in and out of traffic. It, it just all becomes just the way you think, the way you see, the way you move. Because God didn't make any of us, like I said, it's your skills, your fingerprint. He didn't make any of us the same. So now all of a sudden, Earl solved the problem one way. AD solved the problem one way. Barry solved the problem one way. Emmett solved the problem one way. Because at some point, even when people try to jump on the Emmett train and, oh, he had a great line. Well, there was some point he was one-on-one with a linebacker, just like Barry was, just like Earl was, just like Walter was, just like AD was, just like Saquon is, just like Eric Dick, all of them, Le'Veon Bell. And they all find the solution in that moment for what they see, what they think, what they feel, what's going on with them inside and out in that moment, what the, what's going on with the field, the weather, everything else. It just becomes really such a situation where it's just so authentic. It's so individual for who that player is. And that's why I said a little while ago, even when you try to choke it by the throat and control it, guess what? Even if that player is trying to do everything that you said, do X, Y, and Z, because that's going to get you to the end goal. I'm telling you, this is the solution. Do it. Well, even when they're trying to do what you told them to do, they're still not you. You're standing on the sideline coaching, seeing the field from a completely different view than when that guy is seeing the field while he's in that moment doing it. So even when you think, hey, it all went to plan, the same thing we practiced, all we can practice, the same way I drew it up, the same way I said do X, Y, and Z, this go equal success. Well, even if it appears to you like that's what took place, guess what? It still didn't take place that way because that player still is his own. He's his who. Even if it's just the way he moves, thinks, sees, and breathes and everything else, he did it the way he's going to do it because every step he took while running, every breath he took while breathing, everything he did was individual for who he was. No one came in. No one jumped in his body. And that's why it kind of cracks me up sometimes where you'll hear it. And I've done it. I did it before. Where a guy doesn't do what you think he should do on the field, the play doesn't work, and you're yelling, what what did you see? Why didn't you see that? I can't believe you did that. Why did you not see that? Instead of just asking the player, what did you see? What did you think? Tell me what took place because you were the one out there on the field executing the movement, executing the play. So it's like for me, once again, long-winded on my answer, but it all still comes down to, man, who are you as a person? Who are you as a player? What was going on in that moment? Even if people want to think it's controlled, you're still having to adapt. You can't escape it. And you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you to a place that I think is a common retort, something that I struggled with for a long time. And I'm still struggling with, but, 
but I feel like I have a better feel for the answer to this question, but I want to still pose it anyway for the, for the people out there that are evaluators or coaches and, and, and just what they might be feeling because Mm -hmm. they might be feeling something that I used to feel and something that I've, I've begun to understand and maybe, and maybe understand a little bit more in depth. And that is, you know, coach, it sounds great what you're saying, but I'm not working one-on-one and I don't have the ability to talk to these people when I'm evaluating them on film. Mm-hmm. Like, so everything you're saying is fantastic, but I can't, I'm coaching a team. I have a whole team to worry about. I have a whole offense to worry about, not just one player. How do I begin to apply a framework to a team? Number one. And then if we're talking from an evaluative perspective, I'm watching film. I don't mm-hmm. have the luxury of being able to interview these guys or coaches. How do I begin to unpack their who they are on film without mm-hmm. access to this to the player in this way? Take any direction you want. And I, I, I'm just going to throw those out there because I, I, think, I know those are those are common questions. Like yeah. all sounds great if I were doing it individually. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure, but I mean, look, man. At the end of the day, even if, even in the team setting, you still have practice. You still have your individual period, which, in my opinion, many times the individual period is you got to got you got guys going through motions. You're just going through the motions of it because there's no real there's no. Yeah, you're not going to line guys up and let them just crush each other all practice long because you still got to You got to control it in the manner you don't want guys getting hurt. You want to keep them healthy. You got a purpose for what you're doing. But let's, let, I think I shared a video with you, something I had some of my DBs do this year. Even when doing a very simple DB drill. Where, you know, you'll see a lot of times they'll have them backpedal, break on the ball. I'm going to show you what side of the ball to go to, go and catch. You can still, you can have two DBs lined up against each other where it's still adding just a small element. It's adding the smallest rep without rep. It's adding the small element where you have to use your eyes. You have to think. You can't be put in that situation where I've, I've done this drill perfect because I know, what's, I know what I'm doing. I'm just going to backpedal, I'm going to break, I'm going to catch the ball, I'm going to toss the ball back to my coach, I'm going to get back in line, next guy up. Well, okay, did, did you really accomplish anything? At the end of the day, did you really accomplish anything besides going through that motion? Because if, if, if that's the case, then every time that player is on that field, it should never go wrong. It should always go according to plan. If it doesn't go according to plan, then, hey, all of a sudden, then the coach may want to stand up and say, guys, my bad, we didn't do the drill enough. Let's do the drill. We should have done – I should be fired after this game because if we would have did the drill 10 more times, 30 more minutes, that would have never taken place. So you can still take very simple things and you can turn them into a situation where you're making guys think, you're making them see, you're adding even the smallest elements into You're forcing the them to show who they are. A hundred percent. I love it. Who? said it again. You're forcing them to show who they are. And that's where all of a sudden the who is skill starts to get developed. It starts to be you're you're facilitating an environment of which learners can learn. They can grow. And to me, that's the answer to that situation where it comes. How do you do it in a team setting? You facilitate. You put guys in positions, just like Mark O'Sullivan said, you're trying to you're trying to develop them in game, not just of the game. Big difference. Now, when it comes to film. I think sometimes you got to kind of look at it through kind of a different lens where it kind of rattles some people. It can freak them out and I get it, but you're not so much even looking to what was the end result of the play. You're kind of looking more to, okay, what, what took place? What really took place? 
what did he really do? Even it could be a play, man, that could be, um, you know, let's, we'll take Barry Sanders as an example. There were many carries in the NFL that Barry lost yards, many carries. And I mean, that's what I, I saw something on Twitter the other day where somebody was actually trying to knock Barry and they were like, he has the most negative, uh, most negative runs in the history of the NFL. I don't know if that's true or not, but I started thinking to myself, though, if Barry was going out and that's what he was working on those things, even if he had a play on film where maybe he juked, maybe he shimmied, maybe he showed he showed his perceptual skills, he's shown how attuned he was to things going on around him, to his teammates, to the opposition, to the field, to the weather, to all these things, all of a sudden, even though it may have been a three-yard loss, if you really take a minute, you look at the film in a different lens, you could say, I just saw some things there. Then on that play, yeah, maybe he took a three-yard loss. But he's going to use some of this same skill here in a minute where when he does, this going to be an 85-yard touchdown run where basically he's going to make 11 grown men, some of the best in the world, look like look crazy. So I think on film, if you just really look at it instead of saying, okay, like what was the end result, if you really just kind of sit back and say, let, let me kind of dive into what I just saw. Let me dive deeper into what did I just witness this player do. And even if it wasn't successful then, who's to say it won't be successful next time? And that's where we get into the whole thing. I think me and you've spoken about it before. Even in the midst of what well, you could say, quote unquote, is the play's not being successful. What's to say that all that that's taking place is only leading into his next step, which is go bust it open? Because how many plays did Barry have on the football field where I'm sure the coaches were just like, oh, Lord, he, he, he's trapped in the backfield. It's a seven-yard loss. And all that led to what, oh, wow, now it's an 85-yard touchdown run. So, I mean, for me, I don't even look at so much success and failure, quote-unquote, for what we think those words mean just in everyday life. On the football field, you got to kind of look at it, kind of got to evaluate it, kind of got to look at it through the lens of let me just kind of really dive deep into what's going on. What is he showing right now? And whether the play ended up with a touchdown or a five-yard loss, let me kind of look at some of these things he's showing. Let me kind of look at some of the skill he's showing. Let me, look at, let me look at some of the ways he's solving problems, the multiple ways he's solving problems, because who's to say the next step may not be the step that it's just, there it is, it's a touchdown run. Well, and here's what I love. I mean, I mean my whole passion in evaluation is about this idea of framing it in terms of a problem solver paradigm, this idea, Mm -hmm. this idea being that we need to focus more on, like you said, you know, and I've heard it several times in this series, you know, the player can only play what's in front of them. The player Mm -hmm. can only play what they see in front of them. And, and I think that that means so many different things that all say the same thing. There's, there's, there is a problem that we need to spend more time paying attention to and not begin to value the movement just based on, our understanding of success and failure as being whether or not they gained yards, lost yards, or got a touchdown. Because that mm. doesn't do due justice to the complexity of the problem that they were facing. So when we say problem solver paradigm, we're saying grade the process. Watch every every movement that they did. Watch how they adapted to the moment after moment and how they showed their functional fit to the environment around them. I think functionality gets a really bad rap as being called average. Like he's functional. Oh, he's average. Then you're missing what functionality is. It's about that fit between the player and the problem. And the better the fit, 
the more skillful the player is because they can, if they can see and feel and experience every nuance of that problem, then they can be who they are in those moments. They can adapt. They can go ahead and make this something where they will be able to, when that moment strikes them, when that crease is available, they'll be able to do what they do at a high level. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't mean to go on that little crazy. No, rant. no, no. All good, man. I, I mean, I think it. I think it all goes back to um, kind of what I said in the beginning when I was kind of just explaining my viewpoint on the who is skill. Mm-hmm. It it becomes that situation, man, where identity. I think it goes for team environment. I think it goes for one on one. I think it goes for evaluating film. It really becomes the identity must always come before the activity. So then, all of a sudden. If you look at it like that, you're you are looking at it under the lens that, okay, let me identify kind of who he is, what's going on before you even talk about like what he's doing Mm -hmm. before the activity even comes into play. So, I mean, I I just I, I, I get I get where people are coming from where they say it, because it it really is. It's a situation where you start a lot of it is the old it's always done been done this way. So that's the way we're going to do it, of course. You have that. You also have people out there who think like, okay, if if the guy, you know, if it was a one yard run, it can't be a good run because it didn't reach the end goal of what he wanted. Because, yeah, everybody, as soon as the running back touches the ball, he wants it to be a touchdown. As soon as the DB lines up, he wants to end the game with, um, you know, no catches given up. But even in the moments where we, you know, as people, as fans, as coaches, as evaluators, whatever it may be. If you really look at it under the lens that, okay, even the play that you may say is that's, that's a terrible play. It didn't go the guy's way. On that play, he did not win the battle of what he was trying to do, did not reach his end goal. Is it really? Because even in that moment, something that could have, ta- something that could have taken place could be the exact thing that leads into the next play with him having the success he's going to have. Because, like I said, it goes back to that cycle of it's always adapting, dictating, adapting, dictating. Things are always changing. Every every second, something's changing. Even if you don't see it when you're watching a game, in that guy's mind, in his eyes, the way he's thinking, the way he's moving, something is always changing. So if you really just think about it in that sense of, you know, let me take let me take a step back. Let me look and see, like, what, what, what is he really doing with that? When that problem presented himself, what are the different things he just did? What did he do when the same problem may present? So I'm, I'm, let me take that back because the problem's never the same. But what may appear to be the same situation presenting himself over and over again with that linebacker, him being one on one with the linebacker, or a DB being one on one with the wide receiver, is he solving the problem? Is he trying to solve the problem the same way all the time? Is he always doing the same thing or is it, wow, he did this this time. He did that. Okay, maybe he did this and that the next play. And now you can sit back and you can say, hey, the guy's skilled. Who he is, who is skilled once again, who he is, he's skilled because he has so many different keys he can whip out and use on so many different locks. And even if he's trying to use the wrong key in the lock, all of a sudden, oh, crap, let me adapt that can be what leads him to the right key. So it's just, it's a situation, man, where I think people, if you just step back and you kind of look at the grand scheme of things, I mean, and I know people hear the word environment and they hear the word rep without rep. And, you know, I hear it from people all the time. That sounds like scientific talk. Really, man, just relate it to life. Like get out of your bubble, 
look around like next time you're driving look at watch traffic watch how people are diving in and out of traffic slamming on their brakes not seeing the light blowing the light watch people walking around in walmart or in the mall and just watch what like life is and then take a minute and step back and think about it from a football standpoint as players being on the field maybe it's one-on-one working with them maybe it's a offensive coordinator you know looking at his whole entire offense like you said or a db coach working with his whole unit or if it's a it's a scout you know evaluating film whatever it may be step back and like really think about it in that lens and like see what it unfolds see what unfolds through your eyes now where even as a coach all of a sudden it becomes who is skilled for you as an evaluator who is skilled for you embrace that embrace that who even within yourself being a coach and an evaluator because before you know it your eyes are opening and things change you know i love how you just kind of ended on a really great point and i i know your time is valuable i don't i don't want to take up too much of it but i I wanted to at least acknowledge that you said something there that it really could be an entire podcast to itself and this was something that earlier in the series um Dominic Orth alluded to, which is a lot of research talking about how the coach and, you know, just like you said, the evaluator are part of this system itself and how we are all part of the system, so to speak. Uh-huh. And, and, and just how you said, acknowledging who you are too, in terms of an evaluator, in terms of a coach, acknowledging that and, and allowing Absolutely. that to live and breathe too. You know, I can only think of the number of times as, as a, as a young coach where I was like, but that's, that's not, the way how mummy said to do it, you know, well, <laughs> you know, like I could just think about that because, you know, my, my, you know, my passion offense and everything. I mean, how many times did I recite that to myself where I was like, well, that's not what yeah. coach a said or coach B said, yeah. and I'm doing it wrong. Well, coach a and coach B might've been, you know, coaching collegiate level athletes yeah. You know, 100%. it's not the it's not the same thing. So, like, you you know, like you have to understand that everybody's narrative is also who they are from a personal standpoint. It is Absolutely. personalized. So, I mean, we can learn. We can learn from other people. We can learn from other practitioners. We can examine what other analysts do, as long as we understand that their unique perspective is their unique perspective. 100%. And until and until you make it yours, or That's at least. Right understand it for from your side of it then only then can it really become an authentic expression of your own opinion after that or before that i know we argue i know a lot of people say like oh it's a copycat league and and everybody copies each other i i i think that's where i would want to give coaches way more credit i don't think coaches are necessarily always copying i do think they do examine principles that they like Mm -hmm. and they explore those and they try you know they try to adopt it just like you said earlier even if even if Philly sees a play that the Chiefs ran from the week before and they say, hey, we're going to use that same play versus that the same opponent three weeks, guess what? It's still going to be changed. It's something's still going to be different. Your players are different. They see different. They think different. The weather's going to be different. The t- turf's going to be different. Guys have went through a time where maybe they have a personal issue going on in their life that's kind of stressing them out. Maybe they have something going on where a guy's realized, okay, the week before, hey, if I don't get the job done, I could be benched. Nothing's ever the same. And that gets, it's like I said before, even when you think you're in control, you're not. You're not. And, I mean, once you can learn to embrace that, once you can really learn to embrace the adaptability part of things, all of a sudden you start seeing 
you start seeing so many solutions grow from it. You become you become a facilitator where you're putting guys, and I'll say it again, that Marco Sullivan quote is great. You want to have guys in the game, that knowledge in the game, not just of the game. And then all of a sudden you start seeing like you're, you're that guy who's watering that flower. You're putting water on it to let it grow. I'm not trying to clip the petals. I'm not trying to say stay in this jar. I'll grow every freaking jar we have. Keep growing. Keep moving. Because then all of a sudden you have guys that no matter what they face on the field, they could come up with a solution. And maybe one play they don't. Well, guess what? That same they could take that play. You could learn something from it. You could move on from it. And the next play, you start adding. To, you know, it's just it's that it's just that cycle of just constantly being able to adapt. And that's why for me, doesn't matter if it's like you said, evaluating film. Doesn't matter if it's coaching a whole team. Doesn't matter if you're one on one with a guy. You really just want to chase that who is skill, not what is skill. Get rid of that. Let it become who. Because if it's who is skill. That skill is now authentic, individual, not only for that player, but now for that player, every single second, every single moment, every single circumstance, every single situation that he's on the field as things constantly change. He is Ross Cooper, football skill acquisition coach and recruiting coordinator. Ross, I can only imagine the number of people that are sitting there saying, I need more of this in my life. I need more of this type of discussion. I need to get in contact with this gentleman and, and kind of hear more of his opinions. Ross, how can everybody out there connect with you? Hey, man, uh, I'm always willing to chat. By no means do I have all the answers because, you know, I'm learning every day as well. And some, sometimes that involves learning through even what I'm saying or even what I'm doing. But I mean, you can contact me on Twitter. It's... um. I think I said this last year. It's a crazy name, but I had I had a guy on the team many years ago who was a, a special needs kid, and he kept telling me, you got to be on social media, and I never was. And he was like, I'm going to make you an account. And he would always joke with me when we were in the weight room. We're trying to make gorilla muscles, right? And I'd be like, yeah, that's what we're doing. So he made me the account. So it's, uh, it's at gorilla muscles. Muscles will have a Y in it because he, went, he, he misspelled it when he did it, but I kept it just for just to acknowledge him every but you can contact me there i mean if you want to shoot me an email go ahead man my email is rmc2123 at gmail.com shoot me an email i'm always down to chat always down to listen always down to brainstorm and uh, hey like you never know what's going to come from any discussion as long as both people involved are open to just hey let me hear you out you hear me out let's just chat see where it goes well, and, and that's something that I can attest to. I, when I first met Ross, that was one of the things that I think really was so helpful was just his his ability to be vulnerable, open, and gracious with his time, but also with his support and the way in which he, he kind of helped me to explore my own understanding of a lot of these concepts. Because like he said, by no means do any of us feel like there are answers that we have but rather we hope that we're generating questions that keep pushing us forward and pushing all of the things that we have forward. Ross, on behalf of myself and the listenership, thank you so much for being a guest on the Saturday to Sunday football podcast. I appreciate you, bro. Once again, I enjoy, always enjoy our time together. always enjoy talking and uh, look forward to talking with you soon, whether it's over text, phone call, podcast, whatever, bro. Always enjoy it. Thank you for having me. And I, and I sincerely want to thank everybody else out there for your time and i know how precious it is to to donate it to us and give us that time 
I, I really hope that this took you even closer to the game and took you to maybe another kind of level of thinking in terms of of the questions that we're all asking ourselves when we're coaching, when we're evaluating. I mean, these are not simple answers. There are no simple answers, but hopefully they're they're pushing us to ask those questions that are going to give us what we want in the future, which is a better understanding and, like we said, get us closer to the field of play. So on behalf of myself, Ross, and the rest of the crew at the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast, thank you so much for listening, and please join us next time as we take you from Saturday to Sunday.